Welcome. This week we're going to do Pasha's Veschanan. So the Pasuk starts like this, Veschanan el Hashem, Moshe is saying that I pleaded with the Rabban Shalom at that time, they should let him go into Israel, Lamar. What does Lamar mean? Lamar usually means, here Moshe is talking to Hashem. Usually Hashem is talking and he says Lamar, which means that, that uh, whoever he's talking to should repeat what he's being told. But over here, Moshe is talking to Hashem, so what does Lamar mean? What does he want? So, so Rashi says that Lamar is three times it's the it's the Moshe said to Rabban Shlom, "Eni manichacho, I'm not going to let you go. I insist that you tell me if you're makabel my tefillah three times. One time is by Miriam, when he davened for Miriam, Kenler for Allah. He davened for her. He insisted that he be told if his tefillah is niskabel. The second time is in Parshas Pinchas when he said Yiftach." He's asking for the Rabbanishon to make sure that there's a king and he meant his own he meant his own children should have that. And he wanted an answer to that. And the third thing is of when he's asking to go in their stroll. And go in stroll he says, I'm not gonna let you go until you tell me if you answered my tefillah. What is the Pshat in this? What does this mean? Why why is he doing this? Rabbanisham is obligated to tell him. Okay, I davened, I davened. Now I wanna know. Did I get it? Did I not get it? I mean, why is why does he want to know? I mean, I understand why he wants to know, but why can he demand from the Rebbeinu that he should tell him, and I'm not going to let you go until you tell me what's the pshat of this? So, Kaseida we find in the Chumash that Moshe davened to the Rebbeinu Shlalem, davened for Klal Yisrael, davened to the Magefes should go away. Always davening for Klal Yisrael. So. He did the best he could, he davened. And then whatever the Rabban Shalom is going to do, he's going to do. And he doesn't, you know, you have to tell me, did it work, did it not work? The Rabban Shalom will decide if it worked or not. I davened, I did, I, I put all my kaychas into it. I davened. In these three places, these were also for the tzibur, these three places. Miriam was, uh, was a tefillah for the tzibur. We see in the Avtoira of Pasha's Bullock, it says, "Ve'eshlach lachem as Moshe in the pasuk in Micha and after of Pasha's Balak, ve'eshlach lachem as Moshe ve'Aaron and Miriam. Miriam was a the shlichus of the Rebbeinu She was part of this triumvirate that was leaving Klal Yisrael. All the two brothers and the sister. Maybe I don't know how they, you know, separation of of duties." What the, what they did exactly, but she was she was needed for the cloud. She wasn't just a chashuv rebbetzin that was along for the ride, and she was needed. So when he was davening for Miriam, he was davening for the cloud. He wanted the cloud to have the benefit of having Miriam, as she shouldn't be stuck in saras. When he was davening in Yifkod in Pasha's Pinchas, Yifkod Hashem Ruchas, a point to Melech. So he was also as a tefillah for the cloud. So therefore, and, and over here also he felt that he's going to Israel, it'll be Latavis Aklal. So he's always davening for the Klal. However, in these three places, there was also a personal side to it. Miriam was his sister. So even though it was for the purpose of the Klal, but she was his sister. So there was also that, which is not a Klal thing, it was just personal relationship. By Yifkada Hashem Ruchais, he wanted it for his his children, 
that his children should become should become the 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 administrative kings, as we spoke in the parsha in Pinchas. Not going to get into that now. So it's also like a, a a personal angle to it. And over here, there's a personal angle also. I mean, he wants to go to Israel. Of course, it's it's important for the cloud that he should lead them in, and it should be he should establish. Would do uh, it would be kavaldik for the cloud if Moshe Rabbeinu was able to come in with them. But besides that, he also had a nagias, a personal side to it. Moshe was concerned that maybe the nagias that he had took away from the full force of his tefillah, L'toiv HaSaklau. I'm davening L'toiv HaSaklau, but am I really davening L'toiv HaSaklau 100%? Maybe, maybe like a couple of percent is for my personal reasons. So that takes away from the tefillah for the klau. So he was concerned if maybe he didn't do it enough. He didn't do a proper tefillah. He davened for the klau, he davened for the klau, L'toiv HaSaklau, L'toiv HaSaklau, but, but still, you know, on one side of his mind, he was thinking, I need this personally. That takes away. So he wanted to know if Nebuchadnezzar was Neskabal. If Nebuchadnezzar was not Neskabal, then he would understand, or he would suspect, that maybe his tefillah was not a tefillah shleima, and then he would go back and daven again. That's why he wanted to know. Not because he needed to know, you know, he was curious or he needed to know. He was concerned that maybe his tefillah was not good enough. So Moshe Rabbeinu over here goes on and he talks about Maimar Har Sinai. So he says, Be very careful. You have to, don't forget what happened here in Har Sinai. Pass it on to your children. And then he describes what Vatikrivun and you stood by the mountain, the mountain was engulfed with fire until all the way up into the heart of the heavens. So we spoke about this in Pasha's Yisroi when we spoke about the idea of the collective memory. So I would just like to touch on that again because I think it's very, very important. It's very insightful. So the couple of hours I want to bring up over here, which we spoke about then too, that that. Raki Shomer Lecha is, is a different expression from the other Schiras. All the Schiras is Zohar, Zohar Shoscha, Molech, Zohar Miriam, just Zohar, remember, remember, remember. Here, the Pesach says, don't forget. Don't forget. Be careful, be careful. Don't forget the things that you saw. Why is this? Why doesn't it say, remember what you saw by, by our Sinai? And then it says, The mountain was engulfed with fire all the way at Leva Shemayim. If you go back in Yisrael and you look where the story happens, the Pasuk does not tell us that the fire was all the way at Leva Shemayim. It just says that there was a fire. It doesn't tell you how large the fire was. Why over here do we speak about how large the fire was? And over there we don't. So the point that, that we were talking about in Yisrael is that all the things that there are, this is the only mitzvah in the Torah that has any kind of connection to Matan Torah. No mitzvah mentions Matan Torah, is connected to Matan Torah, nothing. 
The Mitzvah of Shuas, the Mantisker Kiever, the Yisabaris Mitzrayim. There are 120 something Mitzvahs that are somehow connected to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to the, to the observations, like uh, by, by observances of, of uh, Pesach or anything, any, anything, anything, any kind of tangential connection, like don't eat shrotzim because it's constantly in your face all the time that you see us Mitzrayim. Whereas Matan Torah is not mentioned. It's not mentioned in, in Berchus Krishma. It's not mentioned in Kapitel Ayaches of the Tilim, where he goes through the whole history, doesn't talk about Maimar Sinai. We don't, we don't talk about it. We don't, we, we just, we don't, why, so, so I was saying that the whole point of the, all these Sechiris, and constantly remembering it, because we need to have a true memory of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, because just like, like um, one of the Mishalom I gave was, like everyone in America who lives here remembers that there was a civil war, even the, and that there was slavery here. Do we remember it because it's part of, part of America today, the social consciousness of America, that's probably the number one element in the social consciousness of America. So for Shtetzach, you remember it, the Tzibur, Eina Tzibur Mesem, the Tzibur never dies. And the tzibur is always the same. Individuals come, individuals go. Tzibur is always the same, and the tzibur has a memory. And it's it's a it's a longer discussion of how it works, but the tzibur has a memory. The Torah wanted to make sure that the tzibur will have a memory of itzias mitzrayim. So the Torah ritualized. The, the memory, it put it into everything that we do is connected with the memory of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So Mamela, the memory can go on indefinitely, go on indefinitely. So why Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Why not Matan Torah? Because Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is something that we can imagine in our minds. We could, we could grasp it in our minds. You know, there were, were slaves, and they were hitting us, and we were hungry, and they are making us work. And, and, then, and then we had uh, frogs, and there was blood, and frogs, and wild animals. And then we went out, and we had matzahs, and then the, the arm split. And all these things are things we could conjure up in our minds. Matan Torah was not possible to conjure up in our minds. It was the Nevoah. It was a chesion. How do we conjure in our minds? It's impossible. We cannot do that in our minds. The only thing we can remember about Matan Torah is the Esh. This is what the Bach says in Simon Memzayan by Birchaza. A Torah, you're supposed to remember Matan Torah. What do you remember, the Bach says? That it was Nitin Mitoicha Esh. That's all you could remember. Aish is the Aish is a, a Gashmi is the thing. There was a, a Gashmi is the fire by the mountain, and that you can remember. So that's what. So that's why when it comes to the so we can, we can't build a collective memory for Klal Yisrael on something which is practically impossible to remember. All we can remember is that there was a fire. Nothing else can we really remember. We can only remember Matan Torah if we remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And we were going out to go to Tarasina and we were counting Sphira. So Mimela, so, so, so Matan Torah comes along with the memory of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. But if there's no memory of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, just to create a memory on Matan Torah, it can't be done. 
So Mamela, that's why everything is focused on Sias Mitzrayim, all the time in Sias Mitzrayim. Sias Mitzrayim, not the Torah we don't talk about. However, there's a mitzvah to remember it. You shouldn't forget it. You should remember as much as is possible to remember. What is it possible to remember individually? That there was a fire. Therefore, the Torah takes the fire of, of, of Matan Torah, where the Pesach says there was a fire, which is a very minor detail in the overall picture of Matan Torah. There was this Galas Kvayt Shemayim. There was Amraim Sakoilas. It was a Nevuah. All of Kal Yisrael was being given the, the, the Matana to be able to, be, to have Chazyonis, to be Nevi'im. The fire was a very minor part. But when it comes to remembering it, then that's all that you can remember, as you see from the Bach. So therefore, the Torah takes this little detail of that big picture and it enhances it for you. Because it, was, it wasn't Stam of Fire. It was a fire that was Boyer at Leva Shemayim. So at least the part that you can remember to make it more, to, to bring it more into your memory that you could, you could remember it better. So that's why it says Raki Shomer Because basically, to say Zechoyer, you cannot remember Matan Torah, in the same way you remember Amalek, in the same way you remember Miriam. All these things have been passed down to us in our collective memory, so we could remember it as a, just like we remember the Holocaust, even though we weren't there, but it's part of our, the memory of Klal Yisrael. So these things can be remembered. Matan Torah cannot be remembered in that way. But nevertheless, the Torah says, do not forget it. That's, what, that's why it says, Raki now, okay, towards the end of the parsha, says the uh, Kriyashma, "V'hoyel teitafes be'neinecha." Everyone knows this pasuk. What does teitafes mean? Teitafes. So Rashi says, "That's a film shol rosh." Al shem minyan parsha sa nikru teitafes. It's called teitafes because. It has four parshas. Tat bekaspi shtayim, pas beafriki shtayim. In the language of Kaspi, I guess the Caspian countries, Azerbaijan, or whatever there is over there, Armenia, the tat is it means two, and pas beafriki in the African language it means pas means two. So you put together tat fas, so you end up with uh, with uh, four, the four parshas. So why would the Torah do such a thing? Why would the Torah do this? Why would the Torah borrow a word, put the splice together from two different languages? Why would the Torah do this? So I just want to over, say over what the, you find also at the beginning of Pasha's Kiseitze that when you take when you capture a, a Yifas Torah, then if you don't want it, you have to let it go. Loisis Amerba, don't Loisis Amerba means I don't know if I marked it here. Loisis Amerba, don't. Don't be mishabed in her. It says, Loises Amrba, one second. Shriftim. He says, Loises Amrba. Rashi says, Loises Tamishba. Why is Loises Amrba mean Loises Tamishba? Rashi says, Beloshim Parsi. In Persian, Koyin Laavdus, Vishimush, Imro'o. So the Torah says Loises Amr because in Persian, that word means to work. Why would the Torah? Borrow a word from Persian to tell you this. Why does it say Why does it say And why is the Torah using this? So I just want to tell you over what the Shalos says. And and um, the Torah 
is not a, is not a lexicon of the Lush and Kurdish language. It's not. It's 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 a, tells you a story, a narrative, and it uses many many words to tell you to tell you the story. But they could very well have been other words that people at that time spoke, which didn't then make their way into the Torah. You have you have let's say you know big books in English, but doesn't mean that that's a dictionary of the English language. You're not going to find every word in the dictionary in a very big fat book. You'll find uh, many words, thousands and thousands of words. You're not going to find every word. So the Torah is also like that. Every word that they spoke about, that, that they spoke in Lashon Kodesh at the time, did not necessarily find its way in the Torah. So how do we know what something means when we find the word in the Torah? Because we, we know it by looking in other places, by looking at here and here and there. So we look at all the places. All the places, we could figure out what the word means. But let's say it only appears once. Then how are you going to know what it means? So, so... The word Tetafes, he says, he says all languages came from Lashon Kodesh. The original language was Lashon Kodesh. All languages come from Lashon Kodesh. So they, there are vestiges of ancient Lashon Kodesh in other languages where you won't find them in the Torah. For instance, the word Hizamer. What does Hizamer mean? Hizamer is not a Persian word. It's a Lashon Kodesh word. It's a Hebrew word. But how do you know what a Samar means? If you found it five different places in the Torah, then you could look here and look there. And from the context, you'll figure out what the word means. It's a strange word, but we'll figure it out. If it appears only once, how are you going to know what it means? So there's a secondary of figuring it out. You look in other languages, and if you find this word in another language, then you can assume that this word, that the word that says in the Torah, that language got that word from, from the Torah. That's why it's a Samar book. So Tetafos, the word Tetafos is not a splicing together of two pieces from different languages. It's its own word, Tetafos. What does it mean? How do we know what it means? We can figure it out because Tat in Caspi means two and Pas in Africa means two. So therefore, the Tat part means two and the Pas part means two. You put them together, it means four, right? So Tetafos means four. So I think what it means is that that you're using two different words for the two and two. You want to use the same thing. Why don't you call it tatatat or pas pas pas? Why are you calling it tat pas? So I think what the pas this word is telling you, a set of two pairs. That's what it's telling you. It's not just telling you a number of four. A set of two pairs. So therefore, in the parshias, you have you have the two parshias been with Haya, and and the other two parshias. That's one set. You know, what do you do with this set? How do you work it? Rashi and Rabbein uh, Tam. So there's a set which is called the Havayas. That's one set. The other two parshas are a different set. So Tetafas means we put together two different sets. That's what the word Tetafas means. So that's how we get four, not just because you just add it up, two and two is four, so you have four, and just means four pashas. It's being very specific. It's telling you that these two, these four pashas are composed of two pairs of two which are different from each other. Thank you very much, and I hope to see you again next week.